0: My name is Jeremy Devins and this is the Yoga Teacher Training Podcast and today episode 56 talking about cueing mistakes that new teachers make. And this is part of what I'll be teaching in the new Cue with Confidence online course on Saturday, May 15th at noon central time. It's a two and a half workshop all online and there will be a recording if you can't join us live. It's called Cue with Confidence and it will teach you the best things that I've learned now from 10 plus years of teaching classes and how I distill anatomy, philosophy, and everything that goes into yoga into very specific, precise cues, and I'll walk you through all of the most common postures and why I teach it the way I do and what I've found works really well, and not just the way I teach it, but finding your own voice and your own way to feel confident in what you're saying and why you're saying it. So that's the Cue with Confidence course, and it's what I think so many yoga teachers want and benefit from, and it's been the most popular free guide that I have at Cues. I get tons of downloads of that that free guide every day, and I know so many teachers are looking for this information and want to learn more about cueing, and it's really probably the most important thing that we do as teachers. We're doing it all the time. The whole thing is about cueing. So I created this course to address those issues. It's called Q with Confidence at quietmind.yoga slash Q with Confidence. And again, it's all online. You can join us on Saturday, May 15th at noon central. And if you can't be there, there's a recording and there's an early registration price. You can save some money if you sign up now in April. So today I'll be talking about why what we say matters so much. As a yoga teacher, every word counts. And it's very important that everything we say be intentional and in the vein of what we're trying to accomplish in that class, which in most cases, from my perspective, is to create a space where students can be mindful and present and engaged and embodied. And essentially, the teacher gets out of the way. So it's not about the teacher. It's not about is the teacher good or bad. It's is this practice facilitating this space and experience of yoga. And I would say that's the main thing that students are looking for. If they like the experience of the class overall, they'll come back. And then on top of that, if they like your personality, which you can infuse into what you're doing, then even better. And you share personal stories and insights. But the main thing is how you're communicating. The words you're using, the words you're not using, the space that you're creating in the class, or the space that you're filling with your words everything can come across as maybe helpful or harmful or confusing or clarifying and insightful or overwhelming, right? So everything we say matters significantly. Uh, Some things we say could actually be triggering traumas in students. Some words we choose could just, just a single word can make a huge difference from a student feeling safe and understood and embodied to suddenly they're remembering an old trauma. And there's certain trigger words that we want to be mindful of that we could say that would trigger those responses potentially. And it's very simple to find other words to replace them once we become aware of these things. So this is what this episode is all about, is just becoming aware of some of these common mistakes. And I'm actually not going to give you the answers and solutions here because this is more of a yogic perspective of being aware of what maybe some of the common issues and challenges are. And then from that awareness, we often know exactly what to do next. So if you want to listen to some of the solutions, I'll have that in the next episode. So this will be like a little mini series here. But today is just becoming aware of what the common mistakes are and encouraging you as the teacher, as somebody who's brilliant, wise, experienced, and knows how to help people. Even if you've only taught one class, you have wisdom inside of you that understands how to relate to people and understands how your words are impacting them. And you can see that by watching how they move in response to your cues. And you can notice if some words are ineffective and and not beat yourself up about it, not be harsh on yourself or overly analytical or too self-conscious, but to just notice, like, if I say this, they go right into the pose. And if I say that, they're confused of what to do. So I'll go through some of the most common mistakes and things that I see, especially when I work with new teachers in the teacher training that I run. And oftentimes the, when they start first come in and start teaching, this, these are some of the common things that everybody does. And we just don't know until we learn. So first, we're going to learn what some of the mistakes are in this episode, and then talk about some of the solutions on the next episode. So number one is using passive instructing. So passive voice. What does that mean? That means that it's a voice that is saying things that are going to happen. It's like, I'm going to tell you what we're about to do so that we can begin to talk about it. And then when you talk about it, then we'll start to get to the point. Right. You can see how kind of irritating that is where it's like, okay, get to the point already. That's a passive way of talking or saying like doing this now. So talking about this topic now, I'm saying some words about this topic so that we can talk about this topic. All right, so it's not clear and direct. It's not to the point. So one of the most common ways you hear this in a class is, we're going to come into child's pose. Moving into downward facing dog, bending your knees. Lifting your right leg, stepping your right foot forward, raising your arms overhead, lowering your hands down, coming back to chaturanga, coming into up dog, right? It's all these ING words and so common for new teachers. And again, it's not a judgment. It's not a problem to solve. It's a thing to be aware of and to notice that that is a choice. That's a choice we can make. We can say ING words all the time if we want, but how does it feel? What is the impact? What is the effect and how does it feel for you as a student to hear that? You think of sun salutations, raising your arms up, folding forward, lifting up, stepping back, right? All the ING words are the biggest giveaway for this passive language. And then it's things like we're going to do this, coming into this, stepping into that, Right. So it's all like it's about to happen. It's the whole class is about to happen. So if we're actually practicing yoga, where do we want to be? In the future, the present moment, about to be in the future. Right. We want to be in the present moment. Right. So this is a way that we can take students out of the present moment. And now they are not being just focusing on their body, they're not being embodied they are now thinking about moving forward into the next thing. So that's the passive voice. What do we do instead? Well, it's maybe a little obvious to you, but I'll explain more about that in the next episode. And so again, just being aware of these things. And then to go through your practices this week, if you're teaching, if you're taking classes, notice if you hear these things. So the next thing is using, uh, not using trauma-informed language. So what does that mean? This is a more subtle thing and something that not everybody's going to be as mindful of, but words that could potentially be triggering. Like when we open the legs apart, like in wide angle pose, like seated wide angle, right? You're sitting down, legs open wide apart. You could say, spread your legs apart, or you could say, open your legs apart, or you could say, move your legs apart. Right. Which of those words sounds potentially the most triggering for students who might have experienced past trauma? Right. We want to choose the ones that are going to potentially be the least triggering. Or like saying things like, you have to, or you should. You should feel this now. You should feel that. Right. How does that feel compared to a, a different word? Maybe notice what you feel here. Right. Kind of giving you the answers with this one because uh, this is really important, because we want to be really mindful of the trauma-informed language. Uh, things like telling students they can't leave the room, things like telling students, oh, you know, you'll you'll get that pose, you just have to keep trying more, right? You have to do this, and then you'll be able to do this pose, right? Telling people that they have to do something, that they can't do something, that they're not going to, or they that's just not an option for them, Right, so this sort of restrictive, in a way, almost neglectful or abusive language, it can be at its extreme, of telling students what to feel, what to think, what's wrong with them, that they're not capable, or that they should do something more, or they can't do something. Right? These are all things to be mindful of, and they can be really tricky, and they'll slip in in really subtle ways. And ultimately, if we're talking to ourselves like that, it'll come across with our students. And if we're not talking to ourselves like that, it'll come across to our students as well. So this is why it's so important to do our own personal healing work as well, do our own uh, therapy, self-development, whatever modalities that you explore to work through understanding and addressing and potentially healing your own traumatic history or experiences or difficulties if you've had those. Because as we find that self-compassion for ourselves, we also learn to find that for others and learn how we like to be communicated with and how it might feel good for others to be communicated with, potentially. We can never really know, right? We can't control how people respond. We could do everything we think right and still end up triggering somebody's experiences because we just can't control that. Even just like the way you dress or look could potentially trigger somebody, right? We try to do our best to be mindful of those things but uh, we can't control how people respond, but we can do our best to be mindful and intentional of how we are impacting others. So we'll talk more about that in the next episode as well. And the next common mistake is teaching too fast. And this is pretty obvious of just teaching in a way where they don't have a chance to breathe and inhaling, lifting your arms, exhaling forward fold, right? Inhale, lift, exhale, plank. And so that that speed where it's about one or two seconds for them to breathe is very fast and creates a stress response in the nervous system, right? If we breathe shallow, quick breaths, that creates a sympathetic nervous system response, a stress response. So we wanna be mindful of that because that's not the goal of yoga. We're not trying to stress people out. If it was a fitness exercise class, great. We do actually want to stress the body out, good stress even sometimes to a degree in a vinyasa or power or very active yoga class, we do want to create a stress response, a healthy, positive stress response. It's called U-stress, E-U-stress. So we do want to create that sometimes, but in most cases, this issue of teaching too fast is more about nervousness or rushing or just feeling ungrounded yourself as a teacher or feeling like just you have to hurry up and get through the sequence, make sure I do all these poses right? So that is a different thing than intentionally uh, having a quick tempo. And you can definitely have a quick tempo, but still not be rushed and not be, you know, going too fast. So this is one of the common issues being too fast, right? And a lot of the solutions to these are kind of obvious when you think of opposites, Uh, but we'll talk about that in the next episode as well. And then the next common mistake is requiring students to look at you, So for example, you could say you're in hands and knees pose and you say, raise your right leg like this, like this. You have to look at them to see that, right? Or now like I'm doing this thing here, like I'm twisting my left side, my left arm underneath into a twist, Uh, right? So now you're looking at the teacher. You have to look at the teacher and take your attention off of yourself and your practice and being present to now look up and then look back down then look up and look back down. You see this in new students a lot. Uh, And this is something that it's it's okay for new students because they are learning and they're, okay, what is this post supposed to look like? What are we doing? They're not in that space necessarily to just be embodied yet. So it's okay if they need to look around and look at teacher. And there's a way we can teach where that is not as necessary. But the big issue to watch out for is saying things like, like this and raise this arm or move this foot, right? Because you're, you're saying this foot, now I've got to look at you to see which one you're talking about. Or you could just say um, in down dog, you could say step into a lunge. You didn't say which leg, right? So just step into a lunge, now they're gonna look at you to figure out which leg you're talking about. There's some places where you don't need to say the leg because it's already clear, and a lot of places where you do need to say which side because it's not clear. And if you don't say it, now they've got to look at you and then figure it out, which takes them out of their body and their present moment experience to look outside of themselves, which is what we are moving away from in yoga practice. Of course, in the eight limbs, it's all about moving more internal, more into pratyahara, sense withdrawal, more internal awareness. So we'll talk about that on the next episode as well. Think about it for now. Notice it, see if you catch it in yourself for classes this week. And the next common mistake is not managing your state before you teach. For example, say if you're teaching an in-person class and you had to drive there and you were flustered and there was traffic and now you're late and you had a lot of stuff going on in your whole day and you're just finally sitting down to teach, you didn't plan anything, so you're a little dysregulated, a little erratic in your nervous system, breathing's a little rushed Everything feels a little frazzled. But now you've got to sit down to teach. And you could try to put on the yoga voice and just come into the present moment and be inauthentic. And your students can tell you're full of shit, right? So you don't want to do that. And you also don't want to just, all right, let's, there we go, let's go. We're going to start doing our yoga practice. Let's come into downward facing dog, everybody, let's move. And you turn on loud music and then you start just sort of pumping the energy up to match the state that you're in, which is kind of frenetic. And now your students are receiving that transmission. Everything we're doing as teachers is transmitting a state. We're like antenna. And in a yoga experience, as you know, like you're just so receptive. It's one of the most receptive in a way vulnerable states to be in in that yoga practice And you're just surrendered to the teacher's guidance. Everything they do, everything they say, you do. And you're in this very open, receptive state. Your body is physically opening, releasing tension. So everything that's in the space is being transmitted to you. It's like you're uh, holding your hands open and receiving whatever the teacher is giving you, which can be a dysregulated, frenetic energy. It can be an inauthentic, fake energy it can be a really present and grounded energy, right? It's And that's a choice, a choice as a teacher is that we actually get to make. And that comes down to managing our own state before we teach. And a lot of teachers are just not aware of that yet. So they don't think about, you know, what state am I in? How is that received by the students? Uh, they can feel everything. Yes, everything, right? <laughs> Any. Uh, just weird state you're in that's going to be picked up right because they're so receptive in that state so we can't be inauthentic we can't hide that so what do we do well notice that for now just notice it and i'm sure you'll have many brilliant solutions yourself and uh, you don't necessarily need my answers but i'll share those on the next episode as well And then the final thing I'll talk about today is just this common mistake of being self-conscious, right? Especially now you've listened to this episode. It's like, oh my God, there's all these things I need to think about. Uh, Am I doing this right? Did I do that? Did I remember to do this, right? That's just being too self-conscious. So just drop it all and know that you're there. Well, well, why are you there? I won't give you the answer here. Why are you there? Are you there for them to be critiquing you? are you there for them to say oh she's a good teacher or she's a bad teacher are you there for to impress them like oh wow she knows so many poses wow very cool right or like oh look she can demonstrate all these cool poses wow right are you there to impress them are you there to be their friend are you there to be this dictator figure that just sparks out what to do with their body what what's the real purpose why do they come to a class to have a, somebody tell them what to do with their body for an hour and their mind and their attention, right? What what's the purpose of this? And in doing that, are you analyzing yourself? Are you being overly self-conscious, self-critical? Are you trying to get a certain response out of them? That's an interesting one, right? Are we trying to get a certain response out of our students? Is there a goal to all of this? That's an important thing to consider. And I have my own personal perspective on it. I think different teachers will have their own take on these things. But that's something to consider as well. And are you being overly self-conscious and self-critical as a teacher? I'll talk more about what I think some of the solutions are for that on the next episode. Uh, But I hope this gave you some perspective and insight of things to notice and be aware of. And let me know if you like this approach that I'm trying with this episode of not just giving the answers, but giving you time to sit with these inquiries this is something one of my teachers vanessa would do uh, she was actually not a yoga teacher but more of a spiritual teacher and she wouldn't really give me answers she would give me reflections she would give me things to inquire about and think about and meditate on and sit with and some of those things i sat with for years before really finding any sort of conclusion or clarity in myself and i think that's a really powerful way to to work with self-awareness mindfulness, presence. And this inner work that we do as teachers, right? We're not just there to teach a subject, embark orders at students. We're there for ourselves to be a clear channel, I think, to do our own work, to experience yoga, to live in this state of union of body, mind, and breath, this state of svadhyaya, self-study, self-awareness, and transmit that and share that with our students. And potentially, have them reflect that back because we are holding up a mirror of self-inquiry self-awareness presence to the best of our ability right we're not saints we're not perfect we're flawed we're human and we reflect that too and we hold that up and we are authentic about that we make mistakes and that's something that happens when we're teaching too we make mistakes we forget things we we mess up sides we say the wrong words wrong pose We break all of these rules that I've laid out here today. We teach too fast. Uh, We say things that are harmful. We use the passive language. That all happens all the time for all of us in different ways. Not a big deal, right? That's not the goal to be some perfect, pristine being that's unachievable by anybody and put on some pedestal. And that just ultimately creates this dynamic of a student feeling less than so you can feel better than, right? We don't want that at all. None of those power dynamics or status dynamics or anything like that. Right, we're there to just do our work, and I think this kind of inquiry can help us do that kind of work. So notice this throughout the week. Notice in your practice, your teaching, if you see or hear this passive instructing, these things that potentially could be traumatic or triggering trauma uh, just with a single word, right? Is that word helpful or can that be traumatic or triggering in some way? Teaching too fast, requiring students to look at the teacher, not managing your state before you teach, and just being overly self-conscious. So notice those things, and I'll share some of my insights next week and a lot of my insights and the step-by-step guidance of how to work with these things and exactly what cues to give and poses that I find helpful and then ways for you to find your own voice and your way of saying things at the Cue with Confidence course on Saturday, May 15th at noon central and that is at quietmind.yoga Q with confidence. Check out the show notes and go right to that. You can register right now in the show notes and hope to see you there. Hope you have a great rest of your week and look forward to sharing more with you next time on the Yoga Teacher Training Podcast.